Get on the road to joy and happiness next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. It's time for Abounding Grace, online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed Taylor will join us in just a minute as we turn back to John's Gospel, chapter 15, and a section of Scripture where Jesus is teaching His disciples about abiding in Him. Now, God isn't wanting to rob you of joy, but rather He wants to bring it into our lives. You may be surprised when you hear what unleashes that joy to us. Part of it involves hungering and thirsting after righteousness. We'll spend a good amount of time today in Matthew 5, looking at the Beatitudes, what you might call God's recipe for happy living. Notice the next promise in verse 5. Oh, how happy are the meek, the meek. We don't use that word. When's the last time you described somebody as meek? We don't use it very much. You can think of the word meek in a, the word we probably use today to describe this attribute is humble. Blessed are the humble. Or there's a deeper word here uh, in the Greek. It's much deeper than that. The idea is a person that is, has all the power available to them but chooses not to use it. For example, Jesus describes himself as gentle and lowly. But this is God in human flesh with all power available to him. And he describes himself as gentle and lowly. Why? Because meekness was a part of his character. Meekness is, is looked upon as the world, in the world today as what? Weakness. Just somebody you can take advantage of. Somebody you can railroad over. Someone they can use for your own purposes. But Jesus says, blessed are those that are meek. Actually, the original word comes to us uh, to describe a wild horse or a wild animal that's been tamed. The animal still has all of the characteristics of that strength, like a horse. Still has all the muscles, all the strength. But because the horse now is tame, that power is under control. And meekness is very similar. You have a poverty of spirit, my place of my utter need for God. Then I'm mourning over the fact that I still have more need of God. And the response is a very humble person. No, trying, no longer trying to get along all by himself no longer trying to work their way up into a place of mental strength, but a place of lowly dependence. Lowly dependence. What's the promise? There's an inheritance awaiting you. That means you don't get it right away. An inheritance comes later, and, and the promise for meekness is an inheritance of the earth. A, a, a life of dwelling in peace and in comfort of the Lord. Notice the next one, verse 6. Blessed or all happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst, you know, the appetite is very strong. Our appetites are very strong. Our appetites for food, our appetites for uh, whatever it might be when you're hungry for something. Like we just finished uh, a half a week of prayer and fasting. 
where so many of you, whether you came here and prayed with us on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday night, or you weren't able to do that, but you still decided to pray and fast, and you sought the Lord, and you said, no food, just water, and the first day was kind of a challenge. You got some headaches, and and you went through it. But the second day, you had this unusual um, new sense of smell that you never had before. Because now you're starting to smell McDonald's french fries, but the closest McDonald's is like 50 miles away from you. I don't think that's possible, but you get the point. There's McDonald's everywhere, but you don't even like McDonald's french fries. But now, man, that smells good. You, you saw Brussels sprouts, and you're like, I'm hungry for that, man. I don't care. I'll eat whatever. You know, that, the Tuesday when you went into work, it happened to be bring donuts to work day. So now all in the office, you've got donuts. You don't even eat donuts, but now you like them. And then your boss invited you out to lunch. And on and on it goes. Why? Because you made a decision to say, I'm not going to eat for the glory of God. I'm going to deny my flesh, and I'm going to be built up in the Spirit. But because of that now, the senses of smell and sight, like you were craving food that you didn't even like because your appetites are strong. You may have been delivered from some addiction, but you still have a twinge of appetite for that addiction still. It's strong. You may be hungry for power. You may be hungry to get your point across. So you're a very angry, controlling person. You might be hungry for attention. And so you live your life in such a way to... You, there's appetites are very strong when they're not restrained by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says here, there's a blessing when your appetite is for the right things. Righteousness. For the right things. For the holiness of God. That's not what we get in our world today. Instead, we get appetites for the newest gadget. We get appetites for what's going on in celebrities' lives. We get appetites of who's going to win that contest. We get appetites for all sorts of things that are always challenging us in our hearts. But Jesus says you are a blessed and a happy person when you're hungry and thirsty for the right things, for the righteousness of God. You know what the Bible says about righteousness, right living? The Bible says this, my righteousness is like filthy rags. My righteousness, my goodness. From that perspective of going, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, you're pretty good, but your righteousness is like filthy rags. It doesn't measure up. It doesn't come close to the perfection of Jesus Christ. Your righteousness, the things you're holding on to, your good deeds, your good thoughts, the Bible says that they, it, it's, it's like filthy rags. You know, filthy rags, when you go out to, to dinner on a special date or a company party, you don't put on filthy rags. I doubt it. I've, never, I've been to a lot of company parties myself. Nobody showed up with the worst of the worst filthy rags. And you just see them walk in and go, oh, how nice you look. Nice filthy rags. You know, a shirt that's all wrinkled, hasn't been cleaned. You worked out in the yard. You got grass stained. You don't go. You, you know, when you, when you go to something like a, a special date or a special dinner, you try to find the best, the best that you have. You might even go out and buy a new outfit just in order to, to say this is a special night. This is a special night. Jesus is saying to hunger and thirst for a special outfit of the righteousness of Jesus. If you're going to hunger and thirst and you're going to crave something, you're going to have the kind of appetite that craves, then crave in your life the goodness of God, the goodness of God, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God. When you're faced with a decision, hunger to make the decision that will please God, even if it brings personal pain, 
Decisions like forgiveness. Decisions like holiness and avoiding sinful... um, I've never, you know, this last season of my life as a pastor, maybe the last, I don't know, maybe the last three months or so, I've been involved with some very serious situations in people's lives and and, and I have this heightened sensitivity to what sin does, not only to the people involved, but to the outer rings. You know how you throw a rock into to the water and it's got that ripple effect? And it just keeps going and going and going. And it keeps moving out and it keeps affecting. That's kind of how sin is. You throw the rock of sin into a family and it hits the people that are closest for sure. And they take on the greatest pain and the greatest sorrow. But then there's the ripple effect. And I've, I've been in houses where I walk through the house and I don't see anything that glorifies God. The, the house seems empty. And I don't necessarily just mean some plaque on the wall, although, you know, some of you might need to put a plaque up on the wall to remind you of the presence of God in your house, to remind you maybe a statement like Joshua says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It might be a great reminder the next time an argument comes or the next time a temptation comes right there in your living room. You might need to put it up on, I, I will put no unclean thing before my eyes right above your television. So you can just remember, man, I, I just got to guard my eyes sometimes. I can't, I can't be doing, and you just, it might be, but I'm not just referring to that. I'm just referring to the coldness of what sin has done to a home and how my heart breaks for the kids, how my heart breaks for the neighbors. My heart breaks for those that are at work that want to were affected by this strong family and now no longer care. There's no hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it's discouraging. It's discouraging to see it. I mean, I've seen it for the entirety of of ministry, but I've personally seen the ripple effects of sin in my own family, uh, in my people connected to our family. It's just so discouraging. And our only hope can be hungering and thirsting for the presence of the Lord in our lives. You see how these follow in order, poverty of spirit, a, a true emotional response over our condition before God, resulting in a meekness. And God now has us in the right place. And then the, the turning point in verse 6 is that now we have a new hunger and a new thirst. We, we are now moving in the right direction. Hunger is very important. And, and I believe that one of the reasons why we're watching a lack of hunger for the things of God in our world today, in our church today, is I believe so many are not filled because they're not emptied. They're not filled because they're not emptied. There, there are just... We can just be so full of ourselves and our goals and our aims and our desires. And we can be so full of ourselves and forget that Jesus Christ shed his blood to purchase our lives, not just to kind of have a part of our lives, not just to sort of speak into our lives. And so many are full, are, are lack of hunger and thirst because they're so full of themselves. There's no, there's no hunger for them, anything outside of where they're at. I mean, I mean think of it in terms of dinner time. Think of it in terms of dinner time. You know, Marie, I love Marie's cooking. If it was up to me, I would eat her cooking every day of the week for the rest of my life and never eat out again. That's my desire. It's not always her desire, but it's my desire. If she would just choose to cook every night uh, and she had the time and the resources, I would eat at home. I would never eat out again. 
I would be perfectly content, even if she decided, well, Ed, it's just going to be the same six meals the rest of your life. Fine. I'm fine with that. I spent my whole life eating out because my parents were never home. They were always working, so they'd leave money on the, on the table for me when I got home, and I'd go eat uh, down at the corner at the restaurant on the corner most of the time, and I would eat out most of the time. Marie, on the other hand, uh, she didn't eat out a lot. She ate at home a lot, and so we got this opposite thing. But at any rate, I love her food. She won't cook me forever, forever every night, but if she could, I would. So let's just think. Tonight, she decides, I get this text after service. Hey, Ed, I just want to let you know uh, that I'm cooking tonight, so don't, don't worry about it. Uh, just come home. You'll be ready. And I'm like, yes, great. I want, that's great. Thank you, honey. Uh, I've been waiting for this text my whole life. Right? So I, I, I'm, I'm excited, but then I didn't have breakfast this morning. I was running a little late, so I didn't have breakfast this morning. And I probably, with meetings and things today, I'm probably not going to have lunch, or I'm not going to have much lunch. So dinner's going to be really important. Let me just see if she texts me. She hasn't yet, but let's just say, uh, let's just say she does, all right? So, so on my way home, though, I'm a little hungry, and I stop by Wendy's, because it's right here, and I grab some french fries. I mean, what's french fries going to do? So I, I slam those french fries down, but I'm still a little hungry, so I stop at Taco Bell. I get a couple tacos and just slam those down and kind of, you know, brush my teeth so doesn't, she doesn't see that. And then I got to get gas, so then I go to the gas station right next to the house, but I'm still a little bit hungry, so I go in. I get the absolute best candy that was ever ever made on the planet, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And I get the four pack, because why not? If I'm getting two, why not four? And I slam those down, and I come home, and I find out that that text was a little bit more than just dinner. She actually sent the kids away. She's got candlelights there. Like, it wasn't just the normal meal. She spent all day on this. It wasn't in the text, of course. She spent all day. And I come in, and I sit down and say, I'm not hungry. Yeah, the noises people made last night were even worse. And Marie was sitting right over here, and she totally gets it. I mean, that would, that would be a real big bummer, wasn't, wouldn't it? Where the, I've been prepared, my wife has prepared this meal that I desire, but I'm not hungry because I filled myself with junk. I purposely did that. It didn't happen passively. Like the, the French fries didn't just fly through my window. <laughs> And tacos didn't just fall from the sky. And the Reese's peanut butter cups, I mean, seriously, I had to go in. I never have to go in when I get gas, but I went in. And then I came home, and I had to tell Marie, hey, thanks, but no thanks. That's how so many are with God. Thanks, but no thanks. I got myself, my life's pretty good. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm a Christian. I've got a Bible. I'm in church. But there's no hunger and thirst and the reason there's no hunger and thirst is because you're filled. Well, you're filled with something or someone else. So why be hungry? I'm already full. And the table has been set. And the Lord is there ready to fill you. But you're already full. He says the blessing of hungering and thirsting, notice in verse 6, is to be filled. And guys, in order to be filled, we need to be empty. The joy of the Lord becomes ours as it's filling a void in our lives. But notice as we wind down, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful. Now that you're a new person, after the filling of the hunger and thirst, you become a merciful person. Mercy comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from us. We don't normally respond with mercy. The alternative of mercy is judgment or getting even or revenge. That's normal. 
That's normal. I mean, think about it. Think about it in a real, very real practical way. It's Friday. You've had a long week. It's been difficult. You barely get out of bed. You don't want to go to work. You want to call in sick, but you're not going to call in sick. And, and there you are. You're like, man, I'm going to go to work. So there you go. You're already in a bad mood. You're already there. You're going to take a little bit of long way. You're going to take the longer way this time. Instead of the streets, you're going to get on I-25. You don't ever get on I-25, but tonight you're going to get on I-25. There you are traveling along. Dun, 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 dun. I hate life, but I, don't, I love life. Lord, I love you, but I'm really upset right now. You know, you're just dealing with everything. And you're driving along, and then some knucklehead cut you off. And there you are. Hallelujah! That lane was always yours. Who am I to think that this lane is mine? Who am I to think that my car being right here means this is kind of my space? And, you know, thanks for cutting me off and almost hitting the guardrail. Thank you. No, that's not what you do or what you think. No, some of you might even be tempted. I know I've had this illustration before where people have come to me and said, oh, no, I wasn't only tempted. I did. I did speed up. I was just wanted to find out who it was. But then when I found out who it was, I'm like, man, you're not going to cut me off, and I cut them off. No, no, that's what, that's what you did. You went, and you didn't show mercy. Like, you've never seen a news. Have you ever seen a news program Channel 4, number one story. We have another story of road mercy today. (laughs) And here we interview this nice Christian young lady who was cut off and is praising God and says, cut me off anytime. I have a red car and just do it anytime because I want to show road mercy. (laughs) Have you seen a story like that? No, usually it is a story about road rage. How do you guys know so much about that? road rage. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the road ragers. But that comes naturally. That's our response. Jesus said to remember that forgiveness and mercy are rewarded greatly by him. Think about it next time. Allowing the Holy Spirit as you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness that if you're merciful, notice verse 7, you'll obtain mercy. Notice verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. This isn't perfection. This is the inward work of God in your life, a purity where, you know, you don't think about evil things. Sometimes I'm, I'm surprised because I was such a, I, I, you know, in my life, I was such a rebellious person. I was so anti-God in my life. I was so into evil things and doing evil things before I got saved. That, that was just my life. And, and I'm always reminded and surprised a little bit that when I hear of something evil or I see something evil and, and my response is, wow, I would have never thought of that. Like God has done such a work in my mind that I don't dwell on evil things anymore. I don't dabble in evil things anymore. I, I, don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to create evil. I don't want to think evil. I don't want, I want to say what the Bible says, to stay innocent in those things concerning evil. I don't want to dabble in them. I don't want to watch movies about them. I don't want to see series. I, I don't want to be involved in those things that are evil. That's a speaking of God doing that work of purity in my life. So notice the promises you'll see God. And it's not just like Isaiah seeing him with your eyes, but you'll experience the God kind of life. Your kids will tell the difference. Not only that, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. That now you're not going around striving anymore. You're not arguing. The joy of the Lord's going to make you a, a peacemaker. 
You're going to want to solve people's problems, not get in the middle of them and be a one that's going to make them worse. You want to make them better. You're not going to be the kind of guy that's always arguing. You're not going to be the kind of gal that people avoid because they don't want to argue. And they don't, want to, they don't want to have to deal with a negative attitude. Why? Because you're a peacemaker. There's a happiness about making peace. Paul would put it this way. Jot it down in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. It takes two people to fight and continue a fight. And when one person backs out and just trusts the Lord, the other person might still be striving, but there's no longer a fight peacemakers. Think about how the world would be so much stronger with the peacemakers of God. Notice he says in verse 9, the peacemakers, the promises, you'll be called sons of God. People will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Making peace is part of love. And then he finally says in verse 10, blessed or happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Persecution. A person living for the kingdom is going to experience opposition from the outside from those that aren't part of the kingdom of God, revilings, say all kinds of evil for you. It says in verse 11, they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. The key word there is falsely. Remember Jesus uh, in his, up to his crucifixion in the trials, they actually hired people to lie about him. Can you imagine? Somebody was paid to lie. These days, it doesn't seem like anybody needs to be paid to lie. They'll slander for free, but, you know, they were paid to lie. Or I think of Paul the Apostle. There was a season in Paul's life where 40 men made a pact and an agreement together that they wouldn't eat until they killed Paul. And he too had people lying about him and on and on. And certainly the person in the kingdom of God will experience this kind of persecution up until just like our brothers and sisters in the Middle East that are literally dying and having their heads cut off, even as I'm speaking. Do we have a heightened level of persecution in our country? Absolutely. Things are different today than they were 10 years ago. Today, you can be sued if you choose not to make a cake. That's our society. Your own business, your own ingredients, your own desire, your own convictions, you can be sued for not making a cake. It's happening in our own city. You can lose your job for putting a scripture on your email or praying with somebody at work. Uh, you cannot be rented to because your, your house, the house that you want to rent, uh, is owned by someone that doesn't like Christianity. I mean, on and on. Are they throwing Christians in jail today in our country? Yes. Are they publicly humiliating and disparaging Christianity in the public? Yes. Around the world, brothers and sisters are dying for their faith, but, but it seems like we would want to avoid all of that. But Jesus says, blessed are you that endure that persecution. Blessed are you. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a study in John's Gospel. We hope you're getting a lot out of it. If you'd like to hear it again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer the program by podcast. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts. And another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile app. Do a search for 
Ed Taylor. Thank you for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation today will help us present God's Word over the radio tomorrow. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners all over the world of how God is using the Word to help them grow by God's abounding grace. You're helping to make that possible. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, you're invited to request a copy of Pastor Ed's book, Sure and Steady. Now, this was written to encourage those in pastoral ministry. The work of a pastor is not easy, often unpredictable, and full of challenges and discouragements. As you may know, this is Pastor Appreciation Month, so why not order a copy of Sure and Steady and give it to your pastor as a way of showing your appreciation to him? I know they'll be encouraged as they read Sure and Steady. Just call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it online at calvaryco.store. And if you'd like to just make a donation and aren't interested in the resource, go online to aboundinggraceradio.com. We hope you join us for a service online or in person here at Calvary Church in Aurora. Those service times are Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sundays at 8.45 and 10.45 in the morning. And we offer a midweek service, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We live stream at calvaryco.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but do come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of the Gospel of John on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.